Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us today as we come together and worship God through singing songs and praises to him through studying his word. Will you please stand with me if you are able? We'll come together and sing.
Good morning. I just want to welcome all of you here in person and all of you online because we are excited to have listeners today and people to watch and to learn about God. Um, we want to just say thank you to everyone who helped make the McCoupin Baptist Association annual meeting a success. Um, we had a great turnout and we had a wonderful meal. So thank you to everyone who helped and everyone who came. Um, next week, you can come to youth at 530 and hang out. They're going to start getting that back going in once a month, right? But that could be a different day every month, so we're not going to set that in stone. But 5.30 next week is the kickoff. And we also have See You at the Pool this Wednesday at the high school at 7 a.m. Anyone can go. It's not just for the students at the high school. It's not just for the teachers. It's an opportunity for the community to come together and to pray with students and pray for the school, pray for individuals. Pray for our community, pray for um, the church, just anything you can think of. So 7 o'clock, 7 a.m., make sure to get there in the morning, at the pool at the high school this Wednesday. Um, the second food pantry for this month is September 29th from 9 to 11 if you'd like to help out. We are also having a fundraiser here in our building for a quilt, for more quilting supplies. But there's a beautiful quilt hanging in the fellowship hall, if you want to see it, that is going to be auctioned off at the Thanksgiving dinner. You can get um, tickets now for a dollar, or you can get six tickets for five dollars, and you can see anyone who is part of our quilting group. I know that Dinah and Jeanette are both part of that group, and um, Norma, thank you, sorry. I know your name, I really do. Just put on the spot, it's like in class, that first day of school, you're like, oh no. You want me to remember everyone's name today? Okay. And then we also have um, this coming Wednesday, we have an open invitation for everyone who would like to come to the prayer and share at 630 over in the chapel. And um, we would like to invite you also next Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, Paradise Baptist Church is going to be celebrating their 170th year ministry. Um, and so that is at um, the church where Adam grew up. And um, we would like to just invite you to help celebrate their 170th anniversary. And then also today, our prayer emphasis is going to be for the Mission Illinois as we close this offering. There are um, envelopes on the sides here that you can pick up a Mission Illinois offering um, envelope and put an offering in there to help out our missions here in Illinois. And to kick that off, we are going to be watching a video today about blue, uh, the blue collar towns in our communities. If you would, um, Richard's going to lead us in prayer, and so we can move along in our day. <laughs> One thing I wanted to say before I pray is uh, I, it's kind of a standing joke here about our parking. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had no lines on the parking lot, and wow, was it bad. <laughs> but thanks to Rick and Bill and Pastor, we got some lines out there. And it doesn't look too bad out there right now, so I want to congratulate you on parking fairly well. And do remember the offering as we uh, begin to pray about that, that we can help support missions across the state of Illinois. Our Father in Heaven, we thank you so much for the beauty of this day. It's going to be a great day. We have many things on tap for today, and we pray that you would help us to fulfill your plans and your will for each of those things. We pray for this offering as we gather it uh, throughout the weeks and throughout the next few weeks that we might uh, serve Illinois and helping to take care of mission work that can provide the opportunity for people to find Jesus as their Savior, to start new churches, 
and many other things that our missionaries are doing across the state of Illinois. We ask you to bless us as we go through this day. Help us as we sing together and worship together, pray together. And as Pastor Cliff comes to preach, we pray that you guide and direct him in what he shares with us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. The first time I walked through Calvary Baptist after the transition happened, it made me feel like there's a lot of responsibility here. This is a big building, and uh, I don't know if I have it all figured out. This is hard work, and failure seems to be around every corner. If I'm honest, it's what it feels like. There are many days where I don't feel like a church planter. Uh, I feel like uh, I don't know what to do. Anytime a uh, church dies, it, it's not an exciting thing. Uh, the replant's exciting, but the church going under is not. Thankfully, they were, they were very much wanting to see what God was willing to do. IBSA and church planter Thomas Gensler partnered together to start a new church in the same church in Decatur where Thomas grew up. As a kid, I grew up going to Calvary Baptist Church until I was 13, and uh, my whole family went to church here. At one point, there was probably, you know, 40 people uh, that were members of this church that were related to me, aunts, uncles, cousins. COVID had been hard on Calvary. It had kind of dwindled down to about 15 people because they were nearing the end of just, you know, their ability uh, and age and physical ability, and um, they were growing weary. I think this church for years didn't look like it was open for business. There's no one ever here. And so I want to be here. I want to be available for people. I want this campus to have activity. Lagos Church is called a replant. When you give to the Mission Illinois offering, you provide resources to help plant churches like Lagos Church. It's exciting whenever you see a church start filling up again. And the fact that we can offer an option that's, that's not just, hey, close the doors and, and go to another church, but the fact that we can offer an option of, hey, there can be new life here. We want to see people come, like some people have already came from the neighborhood around, right around the church who haven't been to church in years. People who have walked away from the church for 20, 30 years and, and just engaging with them. And so we're hoping to see, you know, revival of unsaved, unchurched people. Whenever those puzzle pieces start coming together and you know there's gonna be a gospel presence, because I know that the gospel's about to be preached there and that people will come to Jesus and I'll get to see those people in heaven with me. I want people around this church, the, the hundreds and hundreds of homes, I want them to, when they think of Lagos Church, I think of a place where um, they're welcome, uh, they're loved, and uh, the, the good news of Jesus Christ is uh, being proclaimed. When you give to the Mission Illinois offering, you provide resources to help plant churches like Lagos Church. Together, we're planting and replanting new churches in all kinds of neighborhoods. There are almost nine million people in our state who need to know Jesus, and many of them live in blue-collar towns across Illinois. a couple of songs. And I just want to give you a heads up. One of those songs is new to our Sunday morning service. 
So if we're singing it and you're like, I don't know this song, but everybody else seems to, that's okay. They may have heard it on the radio. But I just want to give you a heads up when we get to that song. It's a, it's a very powerful song um, just about God and Jesus Christ setting us free. So if you please stand with me, we'll come together and continue to sing and worship.
is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I All right, we are in Acts chapter 26. Acts, Acts, excuse me, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. The title of this one is Permitted Me to Speak. So we'll talk a little bit about this. Paul is actually in front of Festus and King Agrippa. And uh, he's going to make his defense to them. He's going to speak to them. And, and that's why it says permitted to speak. So how many have been watching, paying attention to baseball, right? Yeah, right? Baseball? Okay, Cardinals, things like that, right? So I, I will say this. 
hope that's not me. I will say this, that, that I carry this bat around, and some of you were afraid that I was going to whoop you. Let's get this. Is it me? Hang on a second. Okay. We'll make this change. So, midstream, we'll make this change here. So, anyway. Now I got my bat. So some of you were scared I was going to use it on you, all right? Uh, normally, we have some visitors in the house. No, I don't hit people when they fall asleep, okay? This is the only time I brought the bat up here. And by the way, this is my son's bat, so don't tell him that I'm using this. So I'm counting on him watching. So it's been a big deal this week. To, to add, actually, it's been a big deal all summer long to watch Albert get a little closer to 700 home runs. The, our, our church, some of our church people were there the weekend prior hoping that at home he would hit 699 and 700. He did not while they were there, and it happened in Los Angeles. So now that I've got this bat, I think I'm going to be Albert, right? <laughs> I, can't play, I can't play baseball. I can't sing. There's a lot of things, okay, on that list. Here's the deal that I want to say to you. We've been talking about Paul for quite some time. And we elevate Albert to a level. He's a, he's a, he's, they pay him big money because he can play baseball better than, than we can, right? I mean, that's, that's, what, that's where his sweet spot is, is on the ball field. We elevate Paul to that level that oftentimes we don't think that we can be Paul. I want to talk about that today, and I want you to realize that while you can't be Albert you can do exactly what Paul did, and God can use you. I want, to, I, want to, I, want to, I want him off of that imaginary pedestal that you've placed him on. I want to put it down on a level where you and I can identify with and understand that what Paul did, you and I can do. So here we are in Acts chapter 26. This is repeated for the third time. This story is repeated for the third time. When you walk through the book of Acts in chapter 9, it's the conversion experience. And that's at Damascus. So Luke records that for us as he writes the book of Acts. As we walk through this, after, when, he, when he's about ready to be carted off by the Roman garrison, to the Roman garrison, he's under arrest at this point. In the beginning of this journey, back in chapter 22, Paul stops and he gives his defense, and he talks about this. So we come to Acts chapter 26, and what's Paul going to do? He's going to give his defense again. Luke records this for us for a third time. Now I want to ask you a question. When it's repeated for a third time, what does that usually mean? We need to listen, right? We need to listen. It stresses the importance and it increases the memory retention. You do something three times, it begins to become part of your memory. Repeat that over and over. It's stressed for its importance. Think about this. When you've given instructions to somebody about how to take care of something while you're away, it might be your plants, it might be the dogs, right? 
what happens is they give you instructions, or the kids, right? They give you instructions three or four times. They want you, they want to hammer that home so that you what? Don't forget that. So you don't forget that. And so as we walk through this, because it's that important, we've, we've done this already. We've walked through and we've listened to Paul's testimony. It'll be now for the third time. We've heard this story over and over again. I hope this story doesn't get old. And I want to take this to another level as we walk through this. And I want us to see the various things that are in this as Paul gives his testimony that you and I can identify with. Because as we've walked through the book of Acts, our goal is to ask this question, to answer this question at the end. What was God doing? What was God doing here in Acts chapter 26? Because the same God that was working in Acts chapter 26, he retired. The answer is no. He's still alive, right? He's still working. And what were they doing in reference to what was Paul doing? Now, Paul is gone. But what Paul did there, we want to learn from. We want to learn from, from what Paul did so that we can apply it in our lives today because God wants to work through us as he did through Paul. So let's pick it up in the first verse of the 26th chapter. We're going to read the entire chapter. You will have to find something else to read during halftime today. All right, so let's fo follow along here. It's on the screen. You've got your Bibles there. The Bible app, if you've done that, it's in there also. Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regard to all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I am about to make my defense before you today, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then, all Jews know my manner of life, and from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem. Since they have known about me for a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. The promise to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve God day and night and day. And for this hope, O king, I am being accused by Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priest, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them, often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme, and, bring furiously in, and being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities." While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest, at midday, O king, I, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And, we had, and when he, we had all fallen to the ground, 
I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great Stating, that, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that the Christ was to suffer, and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I am not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. For the king knows about these matters, and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul in a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short time or short or long time, not only you but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am except for these chains. The king stood up and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them. And when they had gone aside, they began talking to one another saying, this man is not doing anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And and Agrippa said the Festus, this man might have been set free if not, he had not appealed to Caesar. So that's the account that, of Paul as he stood before King Agrippa. Now, interestingly enough, you'll put the picture up here. This is the steps of the theater, or the, the kind of Colosseum place, that Paul spoke at. We had the opportunity, because of your generosity, to go to Israel and to stand there and actually to stand where Paul likely spoke from. When it says that Festus shouted out with a loud voice, he's sitting up in the, the seats, the bleachers. They have numbers on them now. They didn't have it. Well, I, just, I don't know. Anyway, um, he, he was sitting up there and he shouted out so that everybody could hear that Paul was a madman. That's essentially what he said. You and I have sat there. I've walked down there. I'm here to tell you that as I read the story about Agrippa and about Festus and about whoever was gathered there together with them, they were not there on the day we were there. 
In other words, Paul had a mission to proclaim the gospel to them. My mission is not to proclaim the gospel to King Agrippa and to Festus, but I have been called, you have been called, to proclaim the gospel to somebody else who might stand in that very spot or somewhere in your life. So today, we've done this before. We're going to go back over it again. We're going to go over this. So I asked you a couple weeks ago to write your story. Matter of fact, when we were back reading the story, Paul's story, I asked you to write your story. Actually, Dana turned her story in, so I have it sitting on my desk. This was practice for what I'm going to give you today. These sheets are in the pew someplace. I, I pass them out, and if there's not one there, there's one up here. We're going to follow exactly line for line what's inside of here. We're going to cover the headings in here so that you and I can understand it because what I want us to do is to be better at this. Matter of fact, one of the congregation asked about this. How do I shorten up my testimony? And I will tell you that I, where I found this at, I reached out to our, our evangelism guy, at State, Scott Harris, this week, and he, was, he, he didn't get back to me until a little bit later, but I remembered where I could find this. And this is actually from the Faith Rider site, the motorcycle group. It's painted down in our restroom. In the guy's restroom, it's, it's painted on the wall, the Faith Riders logo. And what Faith Riders does is they don't, they don't auction off a quilt or raffle off a quilt. They raffle off a motorcycle, a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Now, it's not one with all the bags on it, but it's a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. And if you change the exhaust, it's going to make a lot of noise, all right? So, so it's keen. That's what guys want, right? So they do that down at Bike Week in Daytona in February or March. And then they also do this up in, and it actually started in Sturgis, and it started with the North Dakota, South Dakota Convention, and the Faith Riders came alongside and helped. And what they do is people like you and I, probably who ride motorcycles, but not always, they make a journey up to Sturgis or down to Daytona, and they have in their pocket their three-minute testimony because people will give you three minutes to tell your story. And so the, the deal is they have a, I forget what they call it, but there's somebody to wave the people in. That friendly face, not the grumpy one, that friendly face to catch people, the catcher along the streets to invite the people in to sign up to win this Harley Davidson. So when the people come in, they have to fill out a card. Now the only way that that card goes into that big bucket that the name's going to be drawn out of is if they'll agree to listen to a three-minute testimony. So if they'll agree, they'll go back into the tent, their little area. They've got little rooms so they can have a, that, that private conversation. And there is a volunteer, like you or I, who share their three-minute testimony. They share their three-minute testimony, and then they invite them to accept Christ. Now, I'll tell you this, just like we watched here, in the, just like we read, Paul shared the gospel. At the end of that, how many people accepted Christ? Absolutely, in, in the scripture, absolutely nobody did. Festus said him close, but he didn't, at least not then. 
All right, so, so when they share their three-minute testimony, sometimes they walk away. They have, they've heard the gospel. They've heard the invitation. They simply put their card in the drawing, and they walk away without a gift more precious than Harley Davidson motorcycle. Others, though, walk away a new brother our sister in Christ, because somebody took the time to share their testimony with them. So let's walk through this. The first item on there is my life before I met Christ. My life before I met Christ. Acts chapter 26 is the foundation for the three-minute gospel presentation. This is not just a faith writer's thing. This is something that they work through evangelism circles, and this is exactly where it's drawn from, so you can see it in the text. When we start off with my life before I met Christ, what was it like? What's your before? What's your past? And so when we read through Paul's testimony, what did he say? My manner of life from youth on up. He's stating where his past is at. And then he goes on to say, I lived as a Pharisee. I lived as a Pharisee. I observed the law to the best of my ability. And I, I, was, I was honored to do that. I was hostile to the name of Jesus. Now, here's the thing that I want to say. How many of you are Pharisees? None of you are Pharisees. Okay. Um, here's the, the thing, though. All of you have a before, I hope. If you can't fill this out with a before and how and after, then you need to see us after. You need, to, you need Jesus. So you have a before. Now I will say, when you talk about my past, if I'm just going to look at what Paul said there, I was a Pharisee from youth. I lived as a Pharisee from my youth. That my story was, I thought I was a pretty good kid. Honest, all my friends got sent to the principal's office in this one particular class. I managed to do all the same things and not get caught. Okay? <laughs> So I was a good kid. I'm just, just going to tell you that. I mean, it's just, just a little bit of confession time there. And, and so I, I, I didn't get in trouble mostly, right? But I was lost. I was living by a law, the law of the good people go to heaven. And that's, what, that's how I was living. And I, I suspect that you have a story that might be similar to that. You didn't go out and try to persecute the church or close down the church. You just didn't, you know. I went because that's where my friends went, but I wasn't a Christian. I went because of the cute girl, right? Those are the, you know, I'm just being honest, right? Fully transparent. Those are the kind of things that brought me in. They had food, right? Those are the kind of things that brought me in initially. I didn't know Jesus. That was my life before Jesus. The next thing on the sheet is how I met Christ, okay? How I met Christ. When we read through here, how did Paul meet Christ? It was the where at Damascus, so a place, a time, a, it was midday, he heard a voice, and he responded to that. He repented and was baptized. That's his how I met Christ. That's what Paul is saying to both Festus and Agrippa. And whoever was sitting out on those stone seats out there, he was saying, this was the change in my life. This was the change in my life. It is the time that I met Christ. 
So there was a place. My place was on Edwards Street. The time was in the, on a Saturday evening. It was on a Saturday evening, we'll say 7 or 8 o'clock. It was dark outside. It was October, I believe. I, was, I heard a voice. It was of my friend telling me the gospel story, asking me the question about accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I had the conviction that Paul had just in a different place at a different time with a different voice. But it was nevertheless the conviction that God was, had been working on my heart. And at this point, I finally responded to that conviction and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now I say that because this is the second part on the sheet. How I met Christ. You all should have a story, a time, a place, uh, uh, the conviction that you were under, that you would be able to share that with somebody. That's not hard, is it? We've, you, here's where we're, we're, Paul's not here. Paul's here with us. Paul had what? He had a life before Christ where he was trying to earn his way into heaven. He had a time and place where he met Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He responded to the conviction. And he could point back to that time and that date and say that time of day, that place, and that's where I met Jesus. I say this because I sat down this week. It was with Dr. Harrison, the guy that the interim president at Hannibal LaGrange, and he shared a story at our table, not for the whole crowd, and he talked about they, they went out to California, and they, they, they found a church out there that they wanted to attend, and he said that we were there on staff at the church. The pastor there didn't have a time or a place. When questioned on his salvation experience, his grandpa was his preacher, a preacher, his dad was a preacher, and he'd always been a Christian. There ought to be the red X come up on the screen. That is not an answer to how I met Christ. You have not always been a Christian. Because you were raised in a Christian home, because your dad's a preacher, your grandpa's a preacher, your great-grandfather's a preacher, all the way back to when they crossed the ocean from Europe, doesn't matter. You have to have a time and a place and a conviction where you responded and said you confessed your sins and asked Jesus to be your Savior. Let's get that right. So what, we're, what he was saying was that preacher who stood in front of a congregation to lead them to present the gospel to the community, he himself was not saved. Because he didn't have that time. I don't want you to make that mistake. Don't think you just grew into Christianity like you grew in, you know, said Adam, was, that's where he grew up. Adam, there's a time and a place, right? You just didn't happen to be a Christian. So think about that. How I met Christ. What Jesus did for you. So let me ask you this question. As we sang that song of being free, being free indeed, what was Paul before he met Christ? He was lost and he was in bondage to sin. What were you before you met Christ and were saved? You were in bondage to sin also. 
So what Jesus did for Paul was he died for him, he died for him on the cross. He shed his blood and he walked out of the grave. He did that for Paul. When he did that for Paul, he did that for Cliff. He did that for you. He did the very same thing. So when we elevate Paul to the status that we can't attain to, understand that it's not about what Paul did to, to become a Christian. It's about what Jesus did for Paul. It's not about what Cliff did. It's not about what, Cliff, what you did. It's about what Jesus did. The gospel story doesn't center around you and what Jesus saved you from. It centers around what Jesus did on the cross in shedding his blood and walking out of the grave in three days. That's what we need to remind ourselves. We got, some of you will remember this name, this Mike Warnke guy. He got saved from drugs and all this stuff. We found out later on that it was probably a fabricated story because we got all caught up in what Mike Warnke did and not in what Jesus did. We need to be reminded it's not about what Mike Warnke or Paul did or I did or whatever. It is about what Jesus did on the cross. And that's where our hope is at. Jesus Christ went to the cross. It's the same for Paul. It's the same for you. It's the same for Albert. same for all of us. Paul went, or excuse me, Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. He shed his blood for the remission of our sins. There is no other way to heaven except through the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to remember that. Now let's talk about my life now. Because as we walk through this transgression, it's where I was, which honestly, when I'm talking about my life, it wasn't all that bad. You know, it wasn't all that bad. I wasn't, but I was lost. When I understand that, then I understand how bad it really was. Let's talk about my life now. It's the after portion, after I've accepted Christ. Paul says, I became a minister and a witness. I was sent to tell both the, the Jews and the Gentiles about Jesus. Why? So that they should repent and turn to God. My friends, that's exactly what we've been called to do. God didn't save you. God didn't convict you so that you'd accept him as Lord and Savior and then decide, I'll put you over on the shelf and if I need you, I'll call you. He has a purpose for you. He wants you to do the same thing that Paul did. Not in the same place, not to the same people. But he's called you to be a minister and to witness. You are sent outside of the body of the church that you tell the story that people should repent and that they should turn to God. It is that process that we go through. How many of you are good at that? Right? It's a process of what we call sanctification. That's the after process where God takes me and he begins to mold me and work on me like that clay on the potter's wheel. And he begins to work at me and work, work the lumps out, work out the bad spots and, and make me into something beautiful. He is creation for his glory. It is a process. When I got saved, I didn't become, all my problems didn't go away. I still had them. I still had my faults. I still sinned. But I'm a saved sinner at this point. I know where my home is at. My now is different. I have hope and I have peace that I didn't have on the other side of Jesus.
That, my friend, is what we need to communicate. So what was God doing? God was doing what he'd always been doing through the book of Acts. He was opening the doors for the message of the gospel to be shared. The story of Jesus Christ. That's what he was doing. He was providing that opportunity. What was Paul doing? I love that Paul just, you know, he permitted to speak. He didn't ask for a way out. He shared the gospel story to an audience that he wouldn't have gotten before, but God had arranged it. And so he got to share the gospel with Festus and King Agrippa. One considered him a madman. One said, you're really close. Both turned him away. But that's what, that was what Paul was doing. So here's our action steps. In other words, what do I want you to do? What do we do with what we just read here? For the third time, right? For the third time. You read through the book of Acts. You've read this story for the third time. What do we do with it? It's of utmost importance that it's repeated for the third time. What do we get out of it? Write, write out your story. Write out your story. And then, and you have the sheet of paper. And matter of fact, there's probably extra sheets because if you're like me, you'll probably need to write it a couple times before you get it down. And, and just work it out. See how it sounds. Ask somebody else. Tell them your practice and the preacher's making you do homework. Right? I'm just giving you homework. So say, and they're going to look at you like strange. What kind of church do you go to? Because I don't want to go there. But anyway, you tell them to listen to the story. Ask them, does it make sense? But work on your story. We all could go to Sturgis next year. Right? Imagine a church van at Sturgis Parking Lot. But that's what it'd be. We'd be up there sharing our three-minute testimony because we've, we've written it down. So write it out. I will tell you this. As I walked through this exercise, as I walked through the chapter that, that, Paul, that, that we take this from, and, and I see Paul's story, I had to stop for a moment. Because of what Jesus did for me. I can't, he, he, he didn't have to do that. He didn't owe that to me. He's not getting much out of saving me. But he went to the cross that one day I might see him in all of his glory. Bow down and worship Him. He did that because He loved me more than anyone else. He did that for me. And I'm humbled at that. And it made me thankful again for what He did. And I hope that when you walk through this and you really think about where you were because you're like me. I'm not, I was not really all that bad. But I was lost as the bad guy. My destination was the same as the guy that I would consider bad. Yet Jesus died for me and changed my life. And for that, I'm eternally thankful. And then the last thing, of course, is to share it. Share why you're thankful. Share why that smile is on your face. Because of what Jesus did. 
We're going to stand. We're going to sing. This is the invitation time. And what I want to invite you to do is if you don't have a story, then I invite you to come meet Jesus. Ask the question that you have, that, that burning question that, that you, that, that's kept you from accepting Christ. We'll try to answer that, and we'll pray with you. Wanna, you may want to come and, and pray, Lord, this is not what I came for. I didn't come to write out my story. I didn't come to share my story. I just want to come and I want to sit. Lord, help me get out of my comfort zone, my safety zone, and share the gospel with my Agrippa, with my Festus, that stands before me, maybe on a daily basis. So I'm going to invite you to do those things. Maybe you have somebody that you want to pray for, that you, you need to share the gospel. You've already shared the gospel. And like Agrippa, they've said, not yet. You want to pray for that person? You may have something else that God is dealing with you, and I want to invite you to pray this morning, knowing that we will pray with you. Let's stand. Son sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God, yes I am, who the Son sets free, oh is free indeed, I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Sing it one more time. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Join together in prayer. Father, we, Father, as we sing that song, Father, what a resounding shout to say, yes, I am. Father, thank you for going to the cross, for paying the price for our sins, for offering forgiveness to us, something that we could not earn. Father, is a gift. Father, thank you for that day that, that I accepted you as my Lord and Savior. 
Father, I pray that as we go out of here, Lord, today, Father, we might be drawn closer to you, seeking to walk with you. Father, we have on our hearts a lot of burdens, things, Father, the, the, the Monday through Saturday, Father, of our life. Father, things that concern us. Father, things that, that are in front of us, Lord. Father, we, you did the most impossible by saving us from our sin. Father, just thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. So up here on the screen is the, the, the readings for this week in Exodus, Ezekiel, Romans, and John. I encourage you to read the Scripture, all right? We can do a lot of things, but I encourage you to read the Scripture. Today, I would, I would covet your prayers. The, several of the deacons and myself, we're going over to St. James Baptist Church. That's why I've got the suit coat on, which was probably pulled on the wire on the, on the microphone, but we'll deal with that. And uh, just pray for them as they walk through this. This year, they've lost what they consider their first lady. The pastor's wife passed in May, and the pastor just passed um, a couple weeks ago, and they just had his funeral, and so today we're gonna we're gonna ordain the only ordain that he'll be the only ordained man in their in their church, and and we don't know what God has for that church, but we pray that God has a place and a witness for that church to their community. So we want to be part of that, and uh, I think that pretty much takes care of it. You got the rest of the announcements. You happy you were here today? Yeah. Okay, come back next week. Thank you. <laughs>